What is up? Welcome to Forefront 360, a podcast where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. I am your host, Cody Schweikert, and today I've got three incredible gentlemen. They are gathered in uh, beautiful Rochester, New York, and I am all the way up in a Canadian tundra right now. Uh, but I've got Richard. Richard, how are you? Yeah, I'm I'm swell. That caught me off guard. I haven't heard that French form of my name in, in some time. It's so. a callback. Yeah, it's a callback. Ah, that's how I do it here on the show. Yeah, people called me that in seventh grade pickup basketball, actually. It's a weird story. You always bring that up. You always mention that part, too. So <laughs> we, we just uh, yeah. we had just asked if, AI uh, to write this if, intro. If AI scanned our previous episodes, that's the yeah. intro I would have come up with. But uh, exactly. hey. Hey, Nate. I'm here. Hi. I'm doing well. Good, man. Uh, and Dan Becker is on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Becker. What's up? Can I get What's the button, up? Nate? Applause. Can I get applause. the applause button, Nathan? Woo! I'm here. You get a car. You get a car. Yay. Live studio audience. Uh, Dan, we're excited to have you, man. Big Thanks stuff in the, in the works from Dan Becker and Forefront. Big Exciting. Stuff. A little teaser. Um, yeah. Huh? I'm not even going to mention what it is. Uh, friends, today we have gathered some of us in person, some of us uh, via robotic technology to discuss uh, what is honestly pretty timely. We're usually uh, behind the, uh, what, what's the phrase, behind the eight, eight ball? ball? Is yeah. That, is that a phrase? Yeah. Um, we're usually behind on these, like, so. We're even behind on our expressions, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Star Wars came out 11 months ago, and we decided to record an episode. But uh, I think we're timely right now. hot new show, The Chosen. <laughs> <laughs> On its hey, third season. We're doing those in seasons of three. We decided that when we heard the show was being developed way early on. Uh, that's not true. Listen, we're talking about artificial intelligence today, okay? Uh, artificial intelligence, art. We got robots right in TV shows. And <laughs> Wait, we're talking about artificial intelligence? Yeah. Oh, Ooh. my gosh. Boo. All right, we're going to edit that out. Nate, you have to edit that joke out, even though you told it. Um let, let's kick us off here before we yeah thank you before we dive into the questions here we're gonna just wrestle we're gonna wrestle with this thing this question about ai art is it good is it bad what does it mean for us what does it mean for the future but before we do that you know i always get jealous of our guests on the show when we interview people because uh they get to answer these incredible lightning round questions that we come up with and uh honestly i just feel like it's high time we get to answer some of those questions and not have to lift a finger as far as writing the questions. Um, although Richard did lift a few fingers, but can you just tell us what is about to yeah, happen, Rich? Yeah, only a few fingers were lifted to press a couple keys. But interestingly, um, we have, you know, in the spirit of this episode, I uh, opened up the old chat GPT and asked uh, an AI, a generative AI, to create a lightning round for this episode where the artificial intelligence would ask us questions. So what I did is I fed ChatGPT um, some of the lightning rounds from previous Forefront 360 interview episodes. Mm -hmm. And then after it looked at that information, I asked it the following prompt. Using the information I provided, can you create surprising get-to-know-you questions for a group of four participants being interviewed? Wow. So, 
it generated the following questions and it actually broke them up by participant one, two, three, and four. So the AI has chosen which <laughs> questions you will be asked. It's chosen. So uh, just to be completely fa- uh, just completely honest here, uh, yeah, I used ChatGPT. None uh, this was not altered in any way. So these are, you know, these are the questions that unaltered. Yeah, <laughs> we wanted some unaltered questions for ourselves, but um, no growth acceleration. Yep. The robot has spoken. It and has we're labeled. It knows who is one, two, three, four. Uh, it doesn't. No. Oh, okay. Well, may perhaps it does, which is what we'll get Not into yet. later. Yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> yet. Spooky. Yeah. Okay. So um, until it I'm learns gonna, from this episode, and then it'll exactly, I'm going to decide that Cody is participant one. <clears throat> um, so you ready, man? Let's do it. If you could have a conversation with any historical figure who is dead, who would it be? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, any historical figure who, who is, is dead. dead. I, well, I can't pick Jesus because Jesus is alive. Woo! Um, let me see. The grave couldn't hold him. Good point. <laughs> this is lightning round, Bro, so I'm just going to go with the first, yeah, you're gonna get struck first by person lightning. that comes to my head. Okay, okay. I'm going with Tim- Timothy Keller. Uh, oh, he is oh, just so recently passed, but uh, oh, I always so wanted to meet him. I would walk around New York City yeah. the first time I was there a few years ago and uh, was just like, maybe I'll run into Tim Keller. Some people want to run into Jay-Z, not me. Yeah. Uh, this Timmy. is lightning, though. So, so next, Nate, participant two. Wow. What is the most unusual talent that you have that not very many people might know about? The ability. Oh, gosh. I was going to say the ability to pull puns out of thin air, but people know about that one. Especially our yeah, listeners, yeah. Yeah, they know about that one. Um, unusual talent. Um, recently, I found out I'm quite good at balancing. Mm. What? Oh, very cool. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, I recently acquired a hoverboard, and oh, wow. I picked it up oh, quite boy. quickly. This guy is a robot. I've recently like watched other people get on it and try, and it has not gone as well. So <laughs> I felt that I actually have a, a talent in it. Hey. I love that. Next is participant three, which is Dan. So, what is the most memorable... See, it does know. What is the most memorable concert or live performance you've ever attended? Switchfoot with May in 2008 at Roberts Wesleyan College. Excellent. Okay, and then I am participant four. If you had to live in a different country for one year, which would you choose? Um, it's funny that it says, you, it's funny that it says, if you had to, I please, <laughs> I would love to live. Uh, um, no, but in all seriousness, yeah, I yeah. think that I would like to spend a year in Germany, mm. um, particularly Southern Germany, like in the mountainous region, Bavaria. I think that'd be mm. very cool. Oh, and it, the chat GBT left at the end of the things. It says, Feel free to use these questions to spark interesting conversations with your friends. Ah, thank, <laughs> thank you, ChatGPT. How kind. Yeah, How yeah. Kind. Wow. I don't trust you. Like, we didn't know what to do with it to begin with. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm telling mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what ought very, we to do with these? I feel hostile toward this already. We should dive in. Um, so patronizing. <laughs> Richard, thank you for doing that. That was lovely. Um, I don't even know how to operate this technology. So, I mean, wow. There are a few who can. <laughs> okay. Uh, questions. Nate, why don't you kick us off here, man? Hello. I think that, I think that like, could it be like months and months ago, you sent a message saying like, yo, we should discuss this. Did you initiate it? I feel like you did. 
Um, I think so. I maybe somebody did it before me, but I did it at some point. Well, now's a, t- a great time to have this conversation. What yep. what is AI, dude? Uh, tell it to us. Explain <laughs> it to me like I'm five years old. I mean, of course, I'm an expert, you know. But uh, for our listeners who maybe don't actually know what AI is, aka I, I'm not even really sure what this is. Like, I literally have never used ChatGPT and don't even know where how I would go about doing that. Uh, what is AI, Nathan? Yeah, asking for a friend. Uh, no, thanks. Thanks for asking. I mean, we did talk previously when we were, you know, chatting about having this episode that we ought to have somebody on as a guest who is somebody who knew a lot about AI and would have a lot of like profound thoughts about it. Um, we decided not to, so <laughs> we're just all forced to talk about it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, unfortunately, I'm not an expert on AI, but I will do my best. So. <clears throat> AI, as, it's, as it is in existence today, is probably better known as machine learning. And we've all kind of decided to call it AI, but really it's essentially machine learning. And that, that works by training software models to make predictions based on data sets without the need for kind of explicit programming. So normally you would kind of have a program of like, here's what to do with this information and here's how to you know, make something out of it. But now what's happening with machine learning is that you're able to put in these large models of data and you're able to to train the model over time in specific ways. And it's called like supervised training that people actually look over the training of these models to ensure that the outputs that are happening from the program are closer and closer to the way they want them to be closer and closer to kind of an ideal output. And so this training takes place and then it is able to then keep going without the need for the same kind of human intervention after it's trained so that you can put in data and that data can be transformed and put into an output of some kind. Now, more recently, this has become known as the, the kind of new form of this has come to be known as generative AI. And again, it's still based on this technology of machine learning, but I think as the outputs get more and more amazing to us and feel more and more different than what we're used to machines putting out, we feel like it's more and more intelligent. So while these things are not in fact intelligent, and if you use them often enough, you know kind of their limitations and ways in which they are not actually intelligent. They're not actually artificial intelligence. They feel more like that to us than ever before. And so this term AI has caught on for these sorts of programs uh, more than it has in the past. And so the way that we've kind of modified the recent forms is calling them generative AI because they are generating these outputs that are in the form of, of these items, these creations of text and images and videos that did not exist before. And so with some other form of input, however small, they're able to create this large seemingly intelligent output often in an entirely different form that is often useful kind of in and of itself um, without further uh, direction. So now there are these systems that allow people to generate, again, large amounts of text, incredible imagery, uh, you know, never before seen video creations with something as simple as a small text prompt. So it is far more than a basic transformation, but it is generating something seemingly entirely new based on its 
programming and training and the data sets to which it has been accustomed. So it, it really has been a sea change because not only has it become so advanced, it has become much more accessible that these tools have proliferated to the point where your average consumer can now take advantage of these in a variety of forms. And so I think the more that that has happened, the more people have realized that this te technology is here. It's pretty amazing and it's here to stay and it's something that they themselves can utilize. And so it's entered the public consciousness in a way that it, it has not in the past. And so AI effectively has become accessible. And so it's this thing that's happening in the broader conversation. So it reaches our ears, of course, and uh, our ability to use these tools. But then I think even more so, you know, at Forefront, we're talking about the intersection of faith and art. A lot of these tools have started to create things that AI, accessible AI tools used to not create. So it used to be that, you are going to create these kind of programming-related outputs. And, and now the things that it's creating feel much more like art, that people are creating these stories, The AI is creating stories. Oh, and it's creating beautiful imagery that you might actually want to put on your wall and incredible video creations that are beautiful to look at. And so now these things that were seemingly devoid of any kind of creativity are now creating art. And so I think because of that and the fact that their ability to do so brings up a variety of ethical questions and questions that relate to humanity and to you know our relationship with technology and with our own formation, um, it becomes something that we at Forefront have to be talking about. Um, because now this is squarely at the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. Mm. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Well, here's what we want to do. AI um, bad. Yeah. Initially, uh, I think the general tone, at least in this group, was was exactly what Dan just said. We're like, oh, this is not good. Like AI is writing scripts for TV shows, and uh, you know, writers are like out of work and. Uh, like the the what was this? Did you guys hear about this uh, Drake and the Weekend song that like went viral? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like neither of them were involved whatsoever. It's just like their voices being used, and mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, the ethical concerns. We're gonna get into that. The most I think excited, the the most exciting thing for me is to dive into like, what does it mean to create art? Is the, is this a good thing? Is it dehumanizing? Like the philosophical spiritual side of it. But we're gonna hit other stuff too. We're going to defend it. We're going to, you know, we're going to try to make the case that it's good where we might come down and with the conclusion that uh, actually it's just not good. Uh, I actually but, think it's good. So let's go. All right, cool. I'm glad. I'm glad we have some some dissent here because um, I also don't have strong feelings. I'm kind of hoping we can get somewhere by the end of this conversation. We do have some structure here. <laughs> Listen, let, let's start here. <laughs> Cool new applications of AI that are coming out. You guys see anything that's like exciting, positive? Yeah, I mean, harmless? I might as well. I might like, as well go. Go ahead. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, Rich. Um, yeah, I mean, so I've used ChatGPT, Cactus AI, and um, I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but I've used uh, one that's particularly for generating visuals, um, like Adobe Firefly or Stable Diffusion or uh, Dolly or yes, the third one. Yeah, but um. 
where AI fails is in its ability to be, or I, I guess, to replicate perfectly uh, is, is like its biggest problem, I think, as far as its generation. But as a starting point, I think it's absolutely fantastic. So, so, so two real-life applications of this. Um, um, we're going to talk more about some its effects on, like, learning and education and stuff later. But real quick, um, any listener knows I'm a teacher. Um, so in both, I teach college class and a high school class, or high school classes, excuse me. And in both of those settings, I've used ChatGPT to create individualized assessments for different students based on input of their writing that I've put into the system. It has returned to me individualized assessments showing the students what they need to work on. So in a world where I don't get fired for this, um, you know, because the computer can just do my job for me, which I don't believe is happening, is coming. Uh, we can talk about that later, but it has made my job not only easier. A lot of people talk about how AI makes your job easier, right? Not only has it made it easier, but it's also made me more effective because instead of giving a generalized feedback to a large group of students, there is an individualized feedback that is produced by the system in seconds, you know, or may, maybe minutes at most um, that I can then parse out and disseminate to them. So awesome. It makes the drudgery of any sort of data analysis or like connections of themes. It makes that very quick. Um, another quick example is um, I, in one of my classes, I have students write, essays on uh, the implications of pieces of American literature on American culture. You can go into ChatGPT, throw in any piece of American literature that was published before 2021, and it will draw very intelligent conclusions of how those texts connect to each other and how they connect to the American experience as a whole. Super cool as it, like if you want to learn something about stuff that exists out there, it's a very easy way to draw, like much, much quicker and more efficient than like reading articles on your own and drawing those conclusions for yourself. We'll talk later about what that means for learning. But, um, and then lastly, another like, awesome, just a, another specific example of how this is good, right? Um, my wife uh, has written a novel. Um, she has put the, yeah, she's on her second right now, actually. But, um, what? yeah. Missy. Melissa. Yeah. Oh, she wrote? Um, yeah. So, like, oh. you um, can drop your entire manuscript into one of the, like, OpenAI or Cactus AI models, and it will not only edit your manuscript for grammatical errors, but it will, tr it will identify, um, like you can have it identify tropes or cliches that like might be too, you know, like it'll, it'll look through, like basically it will do the work of an editor. Now, again, not perfectly, like you, you will have to review the work that it returns to you. But uh, if I have some intern edit my work, I probably will have to review it anyway. So, so mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not too upset about it. Hmm. Yeah, that's Good. fascinating. And I think that, you know, those are some good examples of, of generative AI that is based on text. And I think one, of, true. one true. of the kind of neat dichotomies here is that Rich's work 
uh, both I think in your teaching, but also in some sense in your theatrical work that a lot of times you're working on scripts and that sort of thing, um, or work or working from scripts. I think a lot of my work ends up being visual. So like I spend a lot of time looking at visuals and kind of analyzing them and that sort of thing. So I just say that to say, I think a lot of Rich's thoughts on this will be more geared toward the generative text and sure, mine sure. may be more geared toward the generative imagery. I'm sure you have thoughts on the imagery as well, but that's kind of where my, uh, my mind has gone. I and, do think it's a lot yeah. weaker. And like, just to throw this out there, I think that AI has a much stronger potential currently when working with text than it does with images. Yes. And I, I would, mm. I would agree with that. Uh, I've had limited experience with with the AI generators myself, but I can see I think some some positive uh, use cases of them. So I just wanted to to mention those, which is um, I saw one that will do like software mockups. So if you're like I am, I would like you know to to look at what an app might look like, and you can say I want an app that does this, and it'll do a visual mockup of what that kind of an app might look like. Mm-hmm. And that's just a really neat thing when you're trying to lay out, you know, for either for yourself or for a client in kind of a mood board to say like, here's what your app might look like. And it's not like you don't, you're not trying to do a detailed diagram or a detailed plan, but it's this basic idea of like, here's a thought. Um, and that's kind of a neat thing that, that AI image generation can do. Um, it can generate some pretty interesting backgrounds, like a lot, a lot of stuff that we do um, with like chroma keying and green screening. You have a subject that you filmed and you're looking for a background to put them on. And I think the ability to kind of specify prompts in AI and generate a background that matches mm-hmm. exactly what you're looking for might save you a trip to go film that thing uh, or try to mm-hmm. create it in real life, which could be extremely expensive. Um, or like I, I saw one that does, um, some pretty amazing things in terms of like simplifying animation, uh, and like transforming the way a character looks in a video, um, where the mm-hmm. character already exists in the video, but it's transforming the way they look in, in a very incredibly like 3d intensive way that would normally take thousands of hours and, and tons of resources. And now like the AI is able to generate this character transformation much faster, um, so those are just some interesting like image examples yeah. of what's been coming out. I, um, I'm going to definitely share my high dislike of AI in a bit. We'll get there. But to, to be completely fair, the thing that stood out to me the most is its potential to inspire future generation of artists. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I think of the first thing that came to my mind was photography you had individuals who were phenomenal photographers and they knew how to work a camera and they knew how to set the right aperture and the right contrast levels and the right this and that. And they knew how to do all that on their camera and get the right lighting and they'd wait hours a day for the perfect shot and whatever. And then, you know, uh, digital cameras came out, which helped. And then Photoshop came out, right? And when Photoshop came out... And at each of these points, the photographic community was like, Right. Our life is over. Yes. Right. And and that's a really good point. But I think when, when something like Photoshop came out, it it inspired a whole new generation of photographers and specifically photo editors who could say, oh my sure. gosh, I can now evolved. take a picture that's imperfect and very quickly and easily remove the background or get that perfect blur 
that I wanted to get that I knew I wasn't going to be able to get originally. So I think with AI, this introduces a whole host of very interesting possibilities that I think could inspire future generation of artists in a very new forms of creativity. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. So the thing that I did notice though, a little bit is, uh, uh, people were mentioning like this idea that AI is a, a helpful tool for an artist to enhance their art. Um, like, Hey, Missy can just like drop this manuscript in and it will, uh, you know, kind of, improve her her own novel right so um there were a couple examples of like ai making art and i think this is cool but i think where i want to dive in is like what about the stuff that it's like ai is kind of making original art and when i say original i think well it's not making original art like nate said it's just this output but isn't that what artists do isn't that what we do we read a million books in our lifetime and then Hopefully we've heard enough voices of people doing it well that we try to write our own that's influenced by, uh, you know, we're, we're all kind of a product of what we consume, right? The, that our output as artists is always, you know, inextricably tied to the input. Um, so AI is similar in that way, right? It's, it's taking things in and then it's spitting it back out. But we're doing that too. So even the things we do are not always original. I was just going to say, that makes me think of this great piece of scripture, Ecclesiastes 1.9, which says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is yes. nothing new under the sun. Thank you. Thank you. So if you want to say, well, AI art is not original, therefore it doesn't have value, I would push back on that and say, well, uh, you know, human art isn't necessarily original either. In fact, it's kind of a similar process. But what if I go here? I want you guys to respond to this here. Uh, if I said that, hey, God created humans to imitate him, right, in all kinds of ways. One of the things we, we love here at Forefront is the way that he calls us to imitate him as a creator. God is a creator, and we have the ability to create. You know, animals don't create, humans create. It's a very human experience. It's a beautiful thing. So um, you can take that truth and start walking down the road of, you know, art is for humans to make, not for robots to do it. Um, and we will do that in a minute. We'll explore that. But what if I said, well, you know, these software engineers, these brilliant people have created this technology. And in a way, we are imitating God by creating entities that create. I know it's kind of a cool, like, hey, this is our little project that now, now they're creating. Is that a way of imitating God in a way that, like, glorifies him and impresses him? Is he, how's he feeling about this? I don't know. What do you guys think? If, if you got to ask me, it's, are we imitating God? Yes. Does it glorify him? questionable because i mm. i do think and I'll, I'll drop it you know after this but i think that like one of the big questions of a ai especially as it develops further from this like nascent point that we're at like does like yes we are imitating god by cre god created beings that were in his image and could think and create and reason like he does right but if humans were to create a new creation, a new race of of beings that are that are machine based or whatever, right? That can think and create and reason, whatever. Is that putting ourselves in the place of God? Mm -hmm. You know, and I would yeah. say that many sci fi films would agree that that is not yeah. uh, 
what humans should do. I, man, I, I th- there's a part of me that says it really depends how you use it because I could see a future where AI is generating its own art and doing its own thing. There's a program running out there just doing its thing unmoderated. <laughs> Very like kind of dystopian future or whatnot. Um, but if somebody's behind it and they're saying, I want to create, and I'll, I, I'll pick on Marvel right now, for example. The show out right now is, that they have right now is called on Disney Plus is called Secret Invasion. And the title screen for it is completely generated by AI. And it's beautiful and it's gorgeous and it's artistic and it's great. And, and that's where you can ask the question. I, I didn't know if I wanted to deliver this punchline right now, but I guess I'll do it because it's, it's on the forefront mm-hmm. of my mind. Mm. Oh, I love that. Mm. So here's the big difference in my mind. When we're talking about God created us in his image, can we create something else that's also in his image? The difference is, is it living or not? Does it have a soul or not? When I think of everything that's adapted and learned and evolved and created something, it's always been a living entity. It's got a heartbeat. It's got some kind of like living organism behind it. And I can't think of anything else that has that. You know, AI is not living. It doesn't have a heart. It doesn't have a soul. It doesn't have a whatever. And we're talking about I mean, it certainly doesn't have a something. soul, but it, I mean, if you mean heart in the metaphorical sense, yeah. But I mean, like, I, I'm just saying, like, I'm not pushing back to you. No, I'm no, just no. saying that it is important, I think, to recognize that, like, the machine, like, humans have all but given birth to machines that are effectively, like, mechanized versions of ourselves. And by that, I don't mean, like, humanoid robots. I mean, like, we have machines now that can independently, as long as they are hooked up to power mm-hmm. of some sort, they can independently function like without human input. And, and, and like we're only in right. like the extreme, you know, beginning of this. But like in theory, you know, in, a, in the same way that like the internet exploded over the course of 10 or 20 years into what, you know, what we have now, mm-hmm. right? The, the, these generative AI systems, in theory, yeah. could be tremendously uh, self, yeah, self sufficient, yeah. right in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think we could be thankful for those things. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for my iPhone, which might sound dumb, but no, I'm I love my iPhone. Very thankful that I have a device that I can immediately look up information I need to know or contact a loved one very quickly if I need to or whatever. And I'm very, very thankful for that. But I'm not sure I would go as to far I would go as far as to say the iPhone is of God. No. Probably was. And I and I <laughs> and I wouldn't say the same thing about AI. So mm-hmm. No, but well, can it can okay, it, let me can it be ma- like is it an extension though of like like our ability to create I think what Cody's asking, right, is if we create something that can create is that glorifying to God? Yeah. So I like what, so what's, what's going on, Dan, in my mind is that like you said, well, we've created this thing, but it's not the same as a creation of God. Just like, 
uh, if I paint a beautiful like portrait of, you know, like a landscape of the sky, like the sunset, that's pretty, it can be great and it's nice, mm -hmm. but it's nothing compared to like God actually made the, real the sun, sunset, right? right? The sunset, right? right. So, right. um, we, we are, when I say that we're imitating God, we're of course not being God. We're doing right. things like him because we're inspired by our father and it's like a child kind of trying to do their best imitation of the real master and in the same way i think we can look at ai like that like hey we made this thing and uh look it's not you know it's it doesn't have all the human experience behind mm -hmm. it and it's not as valuable as like human made art but uh look at this cool thing it can do um and if we if we leave it in that hierarchy then i think um I don't know. That's my best case for, uh, like, let's go nuts with, you know, using this stuff to, you know, create a painting in the style of Van Gogh and uh, hang it on the wall because I sure as heck can't afford an actual Van Gogh painting, right? <laughs> yeah, I think the first thing that comes to my mind with this question is just great care we must take. Uh, right. You know, that that's that's my feeling when it comes to that, where it's like, look, we look, God, I, I did the same thing that you did. Aren't you happy? Mm. <laughs> and like, I feel like there are, there are examples you can come up with where we have done that. And we've been like, look, God, I'm doing kind of what you do. And he's like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, good, good job. You're being like me. And then other times we're like, look, God, we did what you, what you do. And he's like, you're building the tower of Babel or like <laughs> you're uh, cloning things mm -hmm. or you're like, you're trying to play God, you right. know, in a way that's mm -hmm. not godly um right. so i think we must take great care and it, it it almost reminds me in spirit of the lord jesus coming to the pharisees and being like you lack justice and mercy and like i'm glad you tithe all of your herbs but you didn't get the justice part so like these things mm -hmm. you should have mm -hmm. done without neglecting the others right. and i think that that that's kind of the spirit that i i fear that if we misuse this kind of technology, um, yeah, God, God may look upon it as, you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> you created these amazing systems and then you failed to pursue the craft of the arts right. in the way that I designed you to, and you left it to your machines. Mm, right. And mm. there is, there is a danger there that I think we ought to be cognizant of. I think in typical forefront fashion, we like jumped from like the practical discussions <laughs> to like the very deep, like philosophical <laughs> part of this in only but, 45. Minutes. Yeah. Now, now, but I will, I will add to though, I think something that is, and I'm, this is not an original thought. I am, was it AI generated? I'm, no, I'm processing <laughs> thoughts that I've been, you know, taken in from other people. But, um, like, I've been, in preparation for this episode, I, I listened to a number of other podcast episodes about this stuff. And um, one of the, uh, some of you listeners might listen to Jonathan Pajot, his podcast, The Symbolic World. But, like, he was, on his podcast recently, was, like, kind of just casually but sincerely warning um, in like a Tower of Babel-esque way, like Nate just mentioned, uh, it is a little eerie when you think about the fact that the it, it could be, I'm not saying it is, but like it could be a rather Luciferian or like satanic, pra you know, road to pursue to say like we can be 
like God, quote unquote, in the way that like God created a lesser life form that is under his control that can think and create and do work and stuff like yep. that, right? And so if we as humans create a, a, a subsequent life form that can do these things and we think that we are enjoying creating something in our image, and I don't mean that in a metaphorical sense, like many people are excited. Truly, yeah. I mean, many yeah. people are excited for the idea of these intelligent AI systems being programmed into humanoid looking robots that would right. then like work the desk at McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And my point is that like, is no, 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 don't worry. It's trained on humans. Right. Yeah. Right, right. But that is, li- but that is quite literally like, like yeah. I- if we're talking fully philosophically, right? Like let's talk in a philosophical box where God doesn't exist for a second. Right. If, that is literally humans creating a lesser life form in our image, which is a- as close, I think, as humans can get to usurping God's position. You know, so I, d- but I'm not saying that that's what I think. I'm saying that great care we must take because there's kind of two paths here. Like, God could be like, wow, humans, you really do have reason and creativity because you mimicked me in this way, right? Or yeah. it could be like, how dare you mimic me in this way? That's yeah. what yeah. I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought Cody said it really well. He said a line a couple of minutes ago. He just said, leave it in the hierarchy. And right. I'm like, that's a great right. way to sum Good up album that thing. Because, title. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything because in its right place. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, we can always, we can already make an argument that we worship our phones too much or we worship uh, Facebook and Instagram or whatever too much. And we worship our technology too much and how much time do we spend on our phones versus how much time do we spend with God and et cetera and so forth. And I think AI, the thing that scares me about is AI takes that to just a whole different level. That's, that's scary to me. So Cody, I'm going to get that as a tattoo, uh, leave it in the hierarchy. (laughs) Yeah, hey bro. And put it, it, put the fonts of the words in a hierarchy. You know, yeah. like oh yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. So we talked about like what does this mean for the faith in like a a, a a heady sense, but like what does this technology mean for artists, right? And I think the question of like as this technology improves or even in its current state, should we be attempting, is AI going to hurt the Christian artist, particularly the Christian artist that uses their creativity for a living? Um, and, and, and a real life example of this is I, I do freelance designs for a church in Washington, DC. And um, they, through just chatting with some of the people at that church, um, it is very easy for them now to make uh, AI graphics, uh, which are like sermon um, sermon graphics, right? So if they wanted to make, they wanted to make a graphic for the book of Daniel, right? And they created in seconds a very cool um, kind of impressionistic looking um, sermon background that had like, what you know like a, a babylonian palace and like stuff and it looked super cool and it they made it in seconds so like mm-hmm. thank god literally that i don't rely on that work to pay my bills you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so 
I, I guess that's a question that I that I yeah. think is worthy of discussing. Yeah. And and if so, like if artists should be protected from this, how how could we possibly go about doing that in a way that's like intellectually honest? Mm-hmm. Well, this that's viewing art as a product, right? If you're just in the market to buy art for like a really practical purpose, it just saves money to do what they did, you know? And the further the technology advances, you know, they're going to be able to make graphics that are as good or better than human, like human productions. So it kind of gets to, I go back to the philosophical stuff. Sorry, Rich, but it gets to like, what makes art valuable and what's the use of it. And we know that it doesn't always mix well with commerce. Well, I think there's a big difference too, as we've talked about a lot at Forefront, there's a big difference between art for art's sake and art Mm. that is using your artistic talent to add something that is a sellable product. And I Mm. think both, I think this discussion does differ because like, you know, if if I'm a high echelon art buyer, right, I'm certainly going to pay more money for a painting that was produced by a human with a studio in Soho or whatever than I am about like, I'm I'm not going to pay millions of dollars presumably for an AI painting. You know, what if you don't know? Well, that's a whole different <laughs> ball of wax. <laughs> yeah. But but so I, I, I think in the fine art market, AI is less of a threat, mm-hmm. I would say. But in in the I think particularly for graphic designers yeah. and copywriters, this is like yeah. like the death knell for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. small scale um like, like if I ran a church, right? Like I want to employ people in my congregation or whatever, right? Yeah. Freelance people. But like when you can cut costs and have really cool yeah. graphics for free, you know, yeah, like we could take this other money and give it to the poor. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Judas yeah. would I, say the same. And I feel like in the church atmosphere, there's actually times that that might be okay. Right. If you're just looking for like a bulletin cover, I, I don't really care if that was created by AI or yeah, not like paying artists artist. is always a crime. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't download a car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I but, don't think you know me. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if you're, if you're having a music church service Sunday, right. And you're like, we're going to have the choir and these live musicians. And somebody says, Oh, and we're going to have these recordings. Right. And we're just going to like, Lamb, and they were all generated by AI. It's actually like Jay Z and Drake. You know, yeah, it's Jay Z collabing with Josh. <laughs> yeah. <Bills. laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so for me, this discussion comes back to this idea, this question of what makes art valuable. Again, you, if we're talking about a product, and I guess it depends on what you're purchasing art for or what the, what the purpose of it is. Um, if it's just like a, a graphic that you need to use on your weekly, you know, Instagram post or something, then mm. ma- yeah, maybe, you know, maybe this is a fine tool and you don't need to think too philosophically about it. Right. But to me, um, art has value because it is connected to an artist. Right. So like mm. you can't separate God from his creation without devaluing it. Right. So you separate people from God. He made people in his image. It's it's maybe, I don't know, if it's, is it arrogant to say that human beings are one of God's most glorious creations? It's defiled, but it's like... I think that's just fact. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's more impressive to me than a raccoon. 
Mm -hmm. uh raccoons still cool i couldn't make it you know props to god for making raccoons but to me one of the real masterpieces is human beings but if you separate them from the creator they lose some value they become less beautiful um and i think it's the same way with art if you separate a painting from the person that made it the experiences they had that led to, you know their life experiences culminated culminating into this creation that was a process that took time that took energy that took um and you know just life experience to produce it that mm -hmm. inherently has value um over something that is coldly computed in a second um so that's where i stand with it um it gets really complicated when you think about does does this technology have the capacity to just end up making like art that is just like objectively better than like what we're able to make. I think that that's very far away if it's even possible, but it gets my wheels turning. What are your thoughts, boys? I don't think AI can ever create something that is beyond human creation. I think it's just faster. Mm -hmm. So like a AI can't create a painting that is more beautiful or evocative than what a human a master painter could create, but it can make something that looks like a masterpiece in minutes mm -hmm. or less. Yeah. And I, and I think tied into this is one of my major concerns with the advent of like accessible and effective AI, which is just the erosion of trust. And yes. I think mm -hmm. that this has massive implications for the arts community one kind of basic implication is you think about how you you get like marketing emails and you just kind of know that they're essentially AI generated, right? right? Mm -hmm. they're, the, mm -hmm. the, the humanity is gone from them. They're just kind of mm -hmm. crafted to make you do something and, and achieve their call to action. But imagine if not only were like marketing emails, like on an email list, you felt like those were generated by AI, but just every email you received was just like the majority of them were just AI generated. Why even check? And you just right. you just had to kind of assume that whenever you read a message, even if it says it's from Dan Becker, mm -hmm. you're just like, yeah, an AI probably wrote this. Yeah. And you just have to start assuming that there's no human intention behind the emails you're receiving. Like, mm. if, like a lot of people have gotten to that stage already. But now with the advent of like ChatGPT, like so many people are starting to write their emails based on prompts and then like they're like hey this mm -hmm. thing that AI generated was pretty good I'll just send that and pretty soon that's going to start to become automated and integrated into MailChimp and all of the systems and like mm -hmm. pretty soon that's going to become normal now imagine that sort of erosion of trust but apply it to other artistic like mediums and, and locations like I think about a coffee shop right now coffee shops are often full of original artwork all around the coffee shop. Mm. And there's an assumption that even though I may not have gone up to every individual piece and looked at it and said, Oh, that's beautiful. Let me look at the little plaque and see who created it. Let me look at the fact that I could talk to them and reach out to them and buy the piece. Even if I haven't done that work, I can walk into a coffee shop with the assumption that the artwork that is around me is all created by actual artists and that there is humanity behind it. And mm -hmm. it's possible that that in not too long from now, I could walk into a coffee shop and all the art is just AI generated. And that's, that's I, extremely possible. And I wouldn't know it. Oh yeah. It's extremely possible that it even would be purposely kept from you in the way that, um, there are a lot of like, um, 
like abstract expressionist artists that I follow on Instagram that have already experimented with um, feeding their work into a generator and having mm-hmm. it generate work that looks like theirs mm-hmm. and then yeah. using it to like beef up their like um, catalog of work yeah. and selling them mm-hmm. as prints and such. I've yeah. got to imagine that there's going to be legal stuff that comes down that says companies have to disclose. This is a nightmare for the whatever they're producing. But to be honest with you, I think it's going to end up like the food industry, right? You could have a package that says, 100% natural, but the, <laughs> defin- <laughs> the definition the definition of natural right, right. is not so what you would or think. The pieces originated on earth. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Food front I mean, you could even say 100%, 100% human made, and somebody could be like, oh, well, humans made AI, therefore it's 100% human uh, made. It's true, wink. Yeah. 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 From yeah. a certain point of view. And it's just that it, it could be, like Rich says, like it could be the, that the artists themselves are using AI to generate their imagery and then they're right. selling that to the coffee shop. Or it could be that the coffee shop or other space is just generating their own AI art or like purchasing random AI art. That's on, like it. There are just so many opportunities for that to occur at so many different levels. And what I'm concerned about is not just like, Oh, now an artist isn't getting paid for their original work, which is itself a concern as rich has brought up, but also the concern that my trust in my environment gets Mm -hmm. so like depleted and I could become so jaded that it's Mm -hmm. not just the emails I'm receiving, but it's the very art on the walls that I cannot even come to it with the assumption that a human made it. Now I just have to assume that like, who knows where that came from? A, a fake, you know, there is something deeply, um, a, again, like I'm not trying Deep to fake? sound, yeah, I'm not trying to sound like some sort of like, uh, apocalyptic person, but like in the actual definition of the term, right? There is something fundamentally satanic about a fake, like philosophically satanic. I mean, about a fake world that is like a mockery of something that is good and true, you know? And I think that, like, we may be, like, rushing headlong into a world. Like, the same arguments that people are very, very openly making about um, VR, you know? Like, Mm. people are like, oh, it it is not good for humans to live in a virtual world. We, We could be creating a virtual world in a sense in the physical world yeah. right now without mm. even realizing it. Without realizing Whoa. it. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I did not consider AI in, could create a virtual world. Yes. yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. My brain I mean, is going to explode. Wait, and they're already talking about, you know how Meta was like talking about creating the metaverse and et cetera, right? I forget the name of their... The quest, quest, right? Yeah, I've got one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I think they're cool, right? Yeah. But the idea, but uh, it's got you. It's got you, yeah. Dan. Dan, you're actually you're you're actually wearing it right now. Am, am, Dan, am I? Dan, am take I? it off. Anyway, We've been the, trying to reach you. Uh, I don't know if you're watching the video version of this podcast, but <laughs> Dan's wearing a quest. Yeah. But Dan just punched a Dan just punched a hole in the very real drywall yeah, of the recording yeah. studio. No, but in all seriousness, the um. There is like, and this is like super, you know, far, far fetched fears, right? But the, um, the idea that like in theory, as the joint technologies like continue of augmented reality, virtual reality, and the ability that 
or and the fact that artificial visuals, voices, text can be easily created. You could one could believe that they're having a conversation with a physical person mm-hmm. and it's a deep mm-hmm. fake in augmented reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And and like th- this isn't the point of this podcast, so like I I don't want to, you know, proceed down this lane because it's more political than anything, but the implications of AI and deep fake technology and stuff on democracy, I think is cataclysmic. Yeah. Like the fact that yeah. you you can very, very easily I was watching a video just the other day where the point of the video, it was like thirty seconds of a person talking and then the person took a filter off of the video and I truly thought I was watching an interview with a celebrity that look it looked and sounded exactly mm. like the celebrity and then they took the filter off and they were like this was fake and i was like oh it's so completely scary. taken in by it yeah. so like anyway but that that's beyond the scope of 4.360 lots of potential concerns oof big oof <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we are uh, keepers of the peace, not soldiers. <laughs> yeah, there are now AI systems where you can like create, you know, uh, audiobook voiceovers based on people who have died. Yes, I've and actually done that. I, yeah. I tried it the other day with doing. Uh, uh, I listened to Sylvester Stallone read the first uh, couple words of "To Kill a Mockingbird." Wait, Sylvester Stallone's not dead, is he? No, but they no, have his sure, voice though. in the system, so oh, okay, like you okay. can, yeah. Andy Circus right. reads Goodnight Moon. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Wow, that's man, that's mind-bending stuff. Uh, final thoughts on that before we move on? Big oof. I have concerns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. I want to go home. This concludes part 1 of our AI art episode. In part 2, We'll go deeper into AI's impacts in education, the workforce, and most importantly, spiritual formation. To make sure you don't miss part two, be sure to subscribe to Forefront 360 in your favorite podcast app. And if you're willing, leave us a rating or review. It really helps other people to find the show. Until next time, keep pursuing authentic faith and excellent art.